Hello everyone, my name is Lino Farah, the host of Crib of Talks. Welcome back to our program. Throughout the year, Crib of Talks spotlights social organizations that are committed to addressing the critical need for safe, accessible, affordable, and deeply affordable supportive housing for persons within our vulnerable population. In addition to discussing the housing crisis, our program is also a platform to individuals and organizations wishing to showcase their social services and essentially share with our viewers the extremely important services they provide to members of our vulnerable population. For example, support services, employment training and sourcing, wellness issues, mental health, inclusivity and community engagement. On today's program, I've invited Karen Matho, who is the Manager of Communications and Public Relations at DeafBlind Ontario Services, for a conversation about the exceptional nonprofit organization she works for. Karen, welcome to our program. Thank you, Lino. I really appreciate being here today. Great. Uh, let's start our talk with my first question. Tell us about DeafBlind Ontario Services. Well, DeafBlind Ontario Services uh, started in 1989 by a group of parents who were interested in uh, creating uh, an opportunity for their adult children to live as independently as possible, but with the support uh, services of Intervenor Services. So they lobbied the government for the funding, and that's how we got started 34 years ago. Great. Um, so the Intervenor Services, I've read about them. It's, uh, it's a huge part of, your, of this organization and the role they play. Can you... Tell us, elaborate further on this component of your business. Absolutely. Intervenor services are a very essential part. It's how we started as an organization. Deafblind Ontario Services provide support to individuals who are deafblind, as well as to individuals who are deaf, hard mm -hmm. of hearing, and nonverbal with a developmental disability. So intervenors and direct support professionals provide the specialized support uh, to facilitate communication for the individuals that we provide supports to. So for individuals who are deafblind, they receive the supports of an intervener. And for individuals who are deaf, hard of hearing, and nonverbal, they receive the support of a direct support professional. What's interesting about each of those professionals is, as I mentioned, they have specialized training. And that training and experience um, allows them to be able to uh, work with the individual that they support to assess their interest, how they want to communicate, build a bond of trust, and um, if it, to, uh, to a certain the method or methods of communication that they would like to use in making uh, a connection with the world around them. So whether that's about expressing their preferences, uh, that's about um, going about their daily lives, making choices in terms of are they going to go for a walk today? Are they going to go for a visit today? Are they going to go take, you know, uh, take a swim at the local recreational pool? Um, or if they're going to work on a craft, or they're going to create something, you know, whatever that is, working with their intervener or direct support professional um, and having those uh, opportunities within that, build, that, that bond of trust that they've built to uh, communicate in the method of communication that works for them, or it could be more than one method of communication, uh, gives them a chance to connect with the world, to participate in their communities, um, and also to build their skills, to set as, and reach their goals. Great. Uh, I mean, essentially, I mean, we're dealing with individuals that are hearing impaired and, and sight impaired, correct? That's right. So, so they're, these interveners are, are the ears and eyes 
of these individuals. So it's absolutely they, they kind of bond, right? They, they it's have essentially to bond. that they bond and work together, right? That's why it's, I find it's it's so important these the role that these interveners play. It's an incredibly important role for both the interveners as well as the direct support professionals because within that bond they work with that individual. Um, and I must point out that the um, the communication may take a little bit longer. Right. It, it uh, you know it depends on the individual. No two people are alike. Each person is unique, and so within that bond uh, and and taking into account that person's preferences and their unique interest and how they want to communicate is really part of that um, that that relationship that they have is is being able to um, learn what the person wants to do how they want to express that what are the um, what are the ways that they may want to say I don't want to do that today <laughs> or I don't want to do that at this point in time this afternoon really important um, but essentially that is about learning to work together within that bond and and you know, the trust comes in because they're working very closely together. Like you do have right. to use the sense of touch, um, whether that's, um, I can give an example, whether that's, you know, putting the intervener, putting their hand in the person who they support in their hand and, and spelling out, you know, a word or spelling out a sign. And then in turn, the individual supported, letting them know, yes, I want to do that. Or how about we do something else or whatever they want to convey that's very close. You have to get pretty close to someone to be able to spell into their hand, as an example. That's just one example. Um, there are other methods of communication, but um, when you just think about how close they need to be, that really does have to, that, that, that time together, that communication, that time it needs for them to express themselves, it could take some time, and it, it is really a time where they need to rely on each other, that trust. And, uh, you know, it, you can't rush it, um, mm. but certainly it's really important for um, the intervener or the direct support professional to be able to um, understand um, that the person is going to tell me what they want to do. Um, they may be processing it. They may be thinking through their options. They may be thinking about what they like and what they don't like, what their experience was like yesterday. Do they want to do that again today? Um, so it is very much um, something that, as we understand it, it it does take time. It's communication that takes time. And, and that's why you do need those specialized skills, these professionals, interveners, and direct support professionals, to have that, um, that understanding of, you know, okay, when I'm working with this particular individual, this is the way this individual wants to convey um, their interests. So, you know, from hearing you, uh, is the average age of an intervener in, in 30s, 40s, is it 20s, or does it? The age range, I think, is just working age adults. That's it's it's a range. Um, there are some people who come to um, the profession, um, you know, more or less out of college or, or training, out of high school. So if it's out of high school, it's with some training, and then they come to us um, to work. Or it could be as a second career, so they might be a little oh, bit older. Okay. They may okay. have worked in a a related field like a healthcare field or a support services field and they may be looking to um, you know change their career path but also use some of their um, previous skills and uh, experiences and draw upon those right. to transfer those skills so yeah we have uh, a wide range of interveners and, and and direct support professionals and certainly what I've heard from talking to some of them is that um, you know there's no one way that someone comes to the profession um, it but definitely at uh, definitely definitely at DeafBlind Ontario Services, we do provide specialized training because we do take 
it very seriously that the individuals that we support are vulnerable. And so we do need to make sure that um, individuals that, that are working with them, directly in contact with them, do have the training to understand um, if they have any other mm. uh, medical needs, for example, or if um, there are you know, specific considerations that, that need to be taken into account, really important. Um, so yes, definitely well, the training and, and that specialized training is something we actually offer in-house because it's so important. Well, they're definitely special people. So, okay, walk us through all these services that you offer at DeafBlind Ontario Services. Well, we offer, um, it sort of falls into two uh, mm -hmm. groups. Uh, we offer our specialized services through our community living locations, and we also offer uh, services through community uh, services. So for our community uh, services, we would partner with organizations um, across the province uh, to, to work with them so that we, in one particular example, we might train their employees mm -hmm to understand deafblindness, to understand the best way to communicate um, uh, so that they are building that bond of trust and that would be within a, uh, an ongoing working relationship of mentoring and training them so that the whole needs of the individual are being supported. Um, and then with our supported living locations, we offer accessible um, environments that you know, allow the person to be as independent as possible, um, you know, not just a ramp in front of the house, but certainly, um, you know, looking at different pieces of their daily living space, making sure that um, th not just things are accessible to them, they're at the right height or counter height, but certainly things like um, if there's the opportunity to um, use some of their residual hearing or residual sight, that they can still um, perform their daily um, activities as independently as possible, but certainly with the uh, opportunity to work with the intervener and, the, and or the direct support professional. Um, so that's really important. We sort of go a little bit beyond the regular accessibility um, requirements, but certainly what's important is that the spaces where they live is, are uh, customized to make sure that they can, um, if they can walk or move around their space, it's safe. And it um, is an environment that they can really, you know, build and grow and 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 you know connect with their peers, and uh, we all we all want to live in a you know in a space like that where we have that opportunity to, you know, build on our wellness and 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 feel safe and be able to build on our daily skills, be able to, again, set and reach our goals. Yeah, I've, I watched uh, some of the videos on your website, and it's incredible some of the stories there too, right? I mean, you know, the, the ability to for people to do things that every individual does, you know, to be able to paint, to be able to to uh, cook or to be able to, uh, you know, go to the store and and uh, and buy things and, and just, just move around the community. I mean, all these things we take for granted, right, that uh, these people have, have to learn, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's incredible uh, the kind of work you do to support them. Um, so uh, next question would be around some, I understand there's many events that are upcoming and perhaps you'd like to share with our viewers that are kind of exciting and maybe uh, tell, elaborate further on some of these events that are upcoming. Well, thank you for asking. We are uh, just in the process of preparing for June. June has been declared as National Deafblind Awareness oh. Month yes. by the Senate of Canada. It happened in 2015. It was a Senate proclamation 
And that sparked an opportunity for us to like work together with other, right. um, obviously as an organization to always be building awareness during June because um, we were always doing that, but certainly to work with other organizations to look at more national efforts. So we kind of call it making a way from coast to coast. And uh, some of our efforts include arranging for lightings of landmarks, um, proclamations in cities and towns. And, uh, you know, just that idea that we're, we're working with um, our colleagues across the country, people who are deafblind, advocacy groups, and, and service organizations, uh, literally from coast to coast. Like we have um, uh, colleagues out in BC who work with us and, you know, they tell us, hey, we're lighting up this landmark. And we're like, great, we're going to, you know, promote it on social media. So that's right. where we, we tend to do that, promoting social media. We certainly um, want to share it as widely as possible. So that's one part of uh, our, our celebrations. Um, but the other really key part is looking at National Deafblind Awareness Month as an opportunity to recognize the contributions of Canadians who are deafblind and, and, and their contributions and really celebrate their, the opportunities and, and really you know, think about you know, how can we continue to break down barriers for people who are deafblind in society. And for a person who's deafblind or a person who is deaf, hard of hearing or nonverbal, you know, the, some of the main barriers are communication. So just that awareness piece is really key. Right. Um, and then we also have another uh, exciting initiative that we've been working with our international colleagues on. We are um, connecting with them. This has been the third year in a row. We have been connecting with uh, our international colleagues on yarn bombing. Oh, well, I heard about that. <laughs> and it's a funny name, but it really is um, looking at, you know, taking some yarn mm -hmm. and, you know, connecting it together, whether you're crocheting it or knitting it or, you know, putting it together in some sort of shape on a loom um, or even making like pom-poms or some sort of creation with it, whatever, right. whatever your artistic ability or in my case, lack of artistic ability <laughs> takes you. Um, just really connecting those those pieces of yarn, those strands of yarn together, um, and then connecting them to community objects with permission. Right. So um, so what we've done is we we promote that. We'll be promoting that on social media. And in our case, we have um, you know I can say that people we support have learned how to connect the yarn the yarn together. And some people are crocheting. Some people are knitting. Some people are doing it on a loom. You know with the um, support of their intervener or uh, direct support professional and they've really enjoyed it. So this is the third year they've been doing it in many cases. Um, it's also my colleagues across the organization, some of our friends and family and community organizations. And so it comes back to that idea of like, like yarn bombing is connecting the community because we have been accepting um, donations of, of yarn creations mm -hmm. and we've been connecting them together and mm -hmm. we'll soon be uh, attaching them to community structures in different places, some of them libraries, some of them municipal spaces, and you know, taking some pictures, gathering, and really just celebrating the idea that the community can be connected as the yarn pieces are connected, and really building that awareness and sparking a conversation in the spirit of collaboration about uh, deafblindness as part of our awareness building for Deafblind Awareness Month. It's incredible. Yarn, I have to, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this ZR bombing I'll uh, send you project. some pictures. That'd be great. I, mean, I don't knit, but uh, I will try to do something with it to further the cause for sure. So uh, I guess that uh, as we come to the end, close to the end of our show, I, I don't want to leave without uh, asking this very important question. Uh, as my guest here, what would you like to tell our audience? Leave this, this program with a message that uh, you find 
overarching, like an overarching message that you would like to leave with our audience? What would that be? Well, thank you. Um, well, each person is unique, and each person who is deafblind or each person who is deaf, hard of hearing, or normal is unique, and uh, no one person you know, prefers to communicate in one specific way. They may use one method of communication that's very particular for them that they, they appreciate, or they may use many. Um, but what's important is that, um, you know, we always as a society look at ways to break down uh, barriers to communication. And uh, really, um, National Deafline Awareness Month, of course, lends an opportunity to talk about it in a sort of big way. But every day is important to recognize that for individuals who are deafblind, just over 1% of Canada's population is uh, deafblind, and um, it's about four, a little over 4% uh, mm -hmm. of people who are uh, have hearing uh, loss in Canada. So it's a, it seems like a small population, a yeah. but certainly we know that um, through the process of aging, um, we know that that number for people who are deafblind can, can grow to 22%. We know wow, that as that much as 22% mm -hmm. of... Uh, seniors in both uh, health and home care settings have reported having both vision and hearing loss. Um, and so that that's significant. That means that, you know, we do have to kind of pay attention that as we age, it is possible that we might lose some of our, our hearing and, and vision. And for that part of the population, they usually refer to themselves as having a dual sensory loss. Um, but certainly the, that number growing from 1% of the working age adults to once you become a senior, 22% is a significant, yeah. um, something for us all to think about. For sure. You know, I, uh, before you leave, I want to tell you that uh, I just love your vision statement. Uh, enriching lives, one touch and one sign at a time. That's a powerful statement. And um, I want to thank you also for coming on our show. I'm sure our audience has, has enjoyed hearing about your organization and and I want to say that uh, for everything that uh, DeafBlind Ontario Services does, thank you. Thank you, Lino. And thank you for your team for helping put this together today. I appreciate being able to be welcomed here so warmly. Thank you for coming. I'm pleased to rise today to mark DeafBlind Awareness Month. For 16 years, we have recognized DeafBlind Awareness Month in Ontario to raise awareness about DeafBlindness. June is, is especially significant it is the birth month of Helen Keller, one of the most famous deafblind individuals and a true inspiration. And speaker, I've been a member of the Lions organization for 30 years, and I well know the story of Helen Keller, who asked Lions to become Knights of the Blind back, I think it was in 1925. Deafblindness combines varying degrees of both hearing and visual impairment. Individuals who are deafblind can experience challenges with communication and mobility. Many individuals are paired with interveners who are especially trained to act as a person's eyes and ears. Interveners are such an important resource and help individuals with deaf blindness understand and navigate their environments. I would like to recognize the many organizations committed to improving the lives of individuals who are deafblind. Your work is appreciated. Last week we recognized National Access Awareness Week. Again, I must stress the importance of accessibility. Deaf blindness is a disability that is unique to each individual in terms of their abilities. We owe it to those who face both hearing and visual impairments to make our communities as accessible as possible. As we mark Deaf Blind Awareness Month, I would like to take this opportunity to recognize the thousands of deaf blind Ontarians. Your determination and contributions to our community are admirable. 
This week, I urge everyone to learn more about the abilities and struggles of deafblind individuals. Let's commit to ensuring our communities are accessible for those with hearing and vision impairments. Thank you, Speaker. Well, we've come to the end of today's program. I'd like to thank the lovely Karen Matto for appearing as my guest today and providing us with an opportunity to learn so much about deafblind Ontario services. I just loved her energy level. I'm certain that every person who has tuned in to this month's program showcasing deafblind Ontario services will agree that this organization is extremely passionate about their work and have a valued place in every community. After all, they are an international organization. As I stated earlier, Deafblind Ontario Services has a vision statement that really speaks for who they are. So I'll repeat this wonderful statement, enriching lives, one touch and sign at a time. Boy, if that doesn't ring home, nothing does. The services provided by our guest social organization like Deafblind Ontario Services to assist, support, improve, and better the lives of individuals within our vulnerable population, especially those with disabilities, are so very vital. The Deafblind Ontario Services Organization would love to have your support. And we will post their contact information on our website, cripplefalks.com. If you missed any of our prior webcasts, not to worry, they are all posted on our website, cripplefalks.com. You can also key in two words, Talks on YouTube. And you can watch our episodes on your TV, Halton, Kojigo's community channel, covering local news and productions in the Burlington, Oakville and Milton areas. Our program provides you with a platform that gives you an opportunity to share your message with members of our communities. If you're doing great things in the community, then improve the quality of life for those within our vulnerable population and wish to share your message on a future webcast, write to us at info at I believe that we should always be interested in learning about people in social organizations, doing extraordinary work in the community. Actions that have a positive impact on the lives of those within our vulnerable population. Remember, those within our vulnerable population need our help. Affecting change is needed, especially when it enriches people's lives. I'm Lino Farah, and thank you for watching Cribble Talks. Be well and stay safe.